0: Welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 189, we review an article by David Niles about securing a seat at the top for Six Sigma. Is it a basic need, or is it just nice to have? If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at e6s-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Hey, Jacob, how are you? I'm good, Aaron. How are you doing? Jacob, I am doing well. Jacob, let's uh, let's talk about a, a seat at the table for Six Sigma. Ooh. Securing, securing a seat at the top for Six Sigma, and this is yet again another article from... My hoard of articles that I've been hoarding, this one is 2009 I Six Sigma Magazine. Blow the dust off. It is very much in the antique. Not only is it a print edition of I Six Sigma Magazine, which no longer exists, it is written by a gentleman named David Niles, who is the president of SSA and Company, nice. a Lean Six Sigma consulting firm, pretty much the original Lean Six Sigma consulting firm. However, I don't think that exists much either. Anymore, um, maybe just a name, but uh, they've abandoned most of their lean Six Sigma uh, stuff. So uh, this
1: is—I'm thinking they're still doing a lot of consulting. They still—they are doing
0: consulting, but yeah, I think they've branched off into other areas. Not sure. It, yeah. it used to just be Six Sigma Academy, and that's okay. how they got the SSA. And then they've merged and branched off the original founder, who was Michael Harry, who was also the co-creator of Six Sigma at Motorola. Uh, created that company and then sold it off a couple of years ago. Got it, or maybe a decade ago. So, yes, an old article. Excellent. But let's see if it still still holds true. So, I secured this article when I was a master black belt for North North and South America at the chemical company, and I was wondering, hey, you know, how do we get more leadership engagement for Lean Six Sigma, and it's how do we show some executives how we can solve these big business issues. All right. I don't know if you ever heard this, but Lean Six Sigma sometimes has a reputation of being too rigid and bureaucratic and requiring too much of an investment in training, and it's just taking too long. You ever heard anything like that? Uh, yes,
1: and sometimes I say it myself, too. <laughs> Why would you say such a thing? Well, you know, if people ask for me, what's the difference between a Six Sigma and a Lean methodology. And that's one of my um, differentiating points where you need to become a statistical expert to be proficient in the Six Sigma tools uh, or some of the critical tools that are purely in Six Sigma. Whereas for Lean, uh, it's more of common sense and understanding the guiding principles. Mm-hmm. So from that aspect, totally, you need a, it is very rigid um, and you know, in many cases, uh, again it it all depends on who the user is it you know if you try to use every tool in the book it it is definitely rigid
0: <laughs> and, well and, and it's also it's also a large hump to get over as far as an investment in training right yes because the the complexity of some of the tools, the rigidity i, w- I don't want to call them rigidity, but i 'll just say complexity of those tools um it takes a lot longer to teach them. And it's kind of an inverse relationship between how long it takes to teach and its immediate applicability to your job. So,
1: yeah, I basically, mean, I, I totally agree, right? And, and you know, if I add more to that, and if this comes, you know, uh, I was reading an article recently where the discussion was is Six Sigma still relevant, mm-hmm. um, especially as a strategy for a company? Is it even a strategy? Um, which is kind of similar to the topic which we have on hand here: securing a seat at the table at the top. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it a strategy? And, you know, I think the the article was trying to highlight that many of the people who are doing the projects don't necessarily end up needing to use any of those higher level statistics. It depends on a project by project basis. Right. Um, most of the organizations are looking for that quick wins. And for most of the quick wins, you don't necessarily need any of the statistics. You should be able to get the low hanging fruit very easily without that. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to the real complex problems where you need, you know, not just the higher level statistics or the details and the statistics and the data, and it also needs time. And most of the organizations, once the low-hanging fruit is gone, they don't want to invest the time and resources in right. in making sure you're addressing or or relieving all the big challenges that the business exists. And at that point, they don't see the return on investment, and they give it up.
0: Yeah, and I completely agree. And getting back to the, the training part, it's a we train everybody the same way as if they will all use these complicated tools. Yep. So, a um, hundred hundred percent trained for maybe, especially in the early part of de- uh, deployment, maybe five percent of the people will use. Five percent of those tools. I mean, it's a very small percentage that actually have to be used. And as a matter of fact, for early deployment, you're actually doing a disservice if you spend the time on these tools because more than likely you didn't need them. You got to that low hanging fruit um, just by looking at it. Uh, that you didn't. You didn't need to do a. <laughs> you didn't need to do a two sample t test. You just look at it, and say, yeah, no, that's that's different. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what it means to secure a seat at the top here. For Six Sigma, there's like three main areas in this article is align Six Sigma with organization's strategic goals, deliver results quickly, and think like a CEO.
1: Hmm. So what do you think? Align Six Sigma with strategic goals. Again, it depends on, you know, I don't know how do you align Six Sigma with strategic goals, but… Um, to help execute on the strategic goals, you could leverage some of Six Sigma in different formats depending on what sort of work you're – what sort of strategic goals you have. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's where I would leave that. I don't know otherwise – You know, again, for me, Six Sigma is a piece in the execution piece. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's more strategic. Yeah,
0: I think it really means executing in line with – the strategic goals. What is the st- strategic goals? So if uh, if if you're – well, uh, strategic goals – so one of the issues I have with, with this is it's – most people think they're talking strategy and most people are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've actually had a hard time Differentiating. aligning leaders <laughs> with yes. strategic goals. Basically, uh, any anybody who's not the CEO or C-suite – and by the way, I've never gotten close enough to the C-suite – to be able to align really with their strategic goals. All I have gotten were, okay, this is what the C-suite said. This is how we interpreted it. This is what we want you to do. And my experience is by the time you get outside of the C-suite, they're already bastardizing the strategy because they don't want to turn away. You know, Part of the strategy is deciding what you're sort of not going to do. Um, and that also means cannibalizing and giving up some some of what's currently profitable in your business. And there's just too many, as you cascade down the line, there's too much of people not willing to do that. And so you, you do get stuck doing pretty much the same old thing uh, when you're actually trying to transform. It's a, it's a little bit aggravating. So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg as far as getting a seat at the table. I don't think a Lean Six Sigma can actually be aligned with the strategy if they don't already first have a seat at the C-suite table.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in our, in our previous life in the chemical place together, at some point I felt there was a seat at the table at the strategic level, mm-hmm. uh, but it never meant anything. It was more of, hey, uh, you are going to execute on what I tell you to sort of a test <laughs> sort of a thing more than anything else.
0: Yes, and it was executing on...
1: Whatever I told you to execute.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, it wasn't a strategy. It was tactically yes. here, go look go work here. Yes.
1: Or fix this problem. Yeah.
0: So I guess that's that's a still aligned, you know, assuming that it was a uh a cascade, cascading sort of goals thing. But you just have to assume that it was aligned with the strategy. And most people I find when they work for a company, they don't know what the strategy is. hmm Or they or it's the strategy is so simple that they don't think they know. Or, and they usually usually find this out by people saying, what's our strategy? <laughs> it's there, but I think it's not very well communicated and very clear to uh, uh, as you go down the line. Agreed. So it's hard to know if you are aligned. So that's why I say uh, go to the source. If you want to be aligned with the strategy,
1: you have to really go to the source and really understand what that strategy is. But then you know that that brings a different point, right? Do you really need to be at the source to understand that, or is it just a case of the strategy being communicated much more clearly? It's like the same thing when we talked about any sort of product requirements, right? What is the need? Is it a customer that needs something? Is it? Do we understand what they want, or are we just doing what we feel like we want? So let me let me ask along with that: if if a community if a
0: company cannot communicate its strategy effectively. How likely are they going to have the uh, wherewithal to keep going forward with a lean six sigma program?
1: Uh, no, totally agreed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I think I think the ones who
1: would be both at either should be good at both. Yeah, I mean, so that's my point. Right? I, I don't think you need a. I don't think you need to be able to articulate. I mean, as long as you can articulate it, I don't think you need a seat at the table. Ah, uh, uh, got it. But I think the, the challenge is not everybody, not every company is good at articulating that or making sure everybody in the organization understands it clearly.
0: So say we got C-Suite hanging around, they're going through their strategy, and uh, a, a person at the table says, okay, where do you think Lean Six Sigma should focus this year? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's an appropriate level for that? Or they just say, you got Six Sigma, you figure out where they should focus. That is that the
1: message that the C-Suite should send? No, I don't think so i think this see should be this is our biggest challenges for the year how are we as a team going to address that mm-hmm. or this is our
0: big goal for the year so it should be a topic of conversation if if you are leveraging lean and six
1: sigma for your transformations then but then you know that that's kind of the piece right i mean are, are we assuming that the organization needs to transform every time or is it more like we have a strategic goal of getting here how is anybody and everybody going to contribute to that and if if there is a gap or if there is some some area that needs significant sort of improvement or changes that needs to get there are you going to let, is six sigma going to help you get there faster right that's the question that should be asked and i don't think the c suite needs to ask that in my opinion i think the the business owner needs to understand or the person who is there needs to understand how is this going to help and they have to address it appropriately can I leverage this to do that?
0: Okay, so does that give the idea that you should have a seat at the table then? Somebody right. who knows and can can uh, translate the strategy into...
1: I, I guess, yeah, I guess at which table, right? I think that's the question now. Does it have to be at the C-suite table or can it be two layers down? You know, again, if assuming that the vision is clear.
0: Yeah. So you know this guy saying? is... I, I do, I do. And you know, I've been I've been one or two layers down and and I think that the leadership one or two days two layers down has not been aligned with the leadership two layers up. So that's why I yes. want. To go. <laughs>
1: no, and I can totally I can totally agree with that sometimes. Yeah. But uh
0: but also the, the idea of a strategy, it it's not supposed to change every year, right? It's so it's a long term um, yeah you know so lean six sigma it should be a year over year focus um okay we we this year we focused on this it helped this part of the strategy now let's start to focus in some of these other areas where we may be weaker or there's a new opportunity over here yep and so this the assumption is that if you if you have a lean in six sigma program that you will leverage that program because you have highly engaged full-time workers who are skilled at going into some place uncomfortable with very little definition and they figure something out. And if you don't have that though, if you don't have highly trained, if you maybe <laughs> stacked, stacked these people in with just, I don't know, free resources because you couldn't find a good fit for them anywhere else, then yeah, no, you're not going to rely on these people um, at all. As a matter of fact, you should be wondering why are we doing this program?
1: All right, so let's talk about uh, deliver results quickly. I mean, I, I think for any business, right, at the end of the day, you can't, if you have a project like we've talked about a long time, if you have a single project that's long-term, chances are the the momentum goes down. Uh, the, buzz, oh, yeah. the buzz of the day changes. Mm-hmm. Or the flavor of the day changes. So that's something that needs to, I don't think you can ever have a project that's going on for too long. So... Yes, I would agree results need to be there quickly. Uh, but at what cost?
0: So let's talk about what, 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 what constitutes results and what constitutes quickly. Okay. So, And let's even consider the difference between Lean and Six Sigma at this point. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about what could be the root causes for not delivering quickly enough. Okay. All right. So let's talk about um, results. How mm-hmm. big do results have to be in order for the C-suite to say, yeah, this was a good investment? Significant
1: <laughs> yes, it depends on the organization, right, and I think that's the i mean I think that's the mindset difference, right like I have you know put a program together, invested in doing this, how am I getting the return back mm-hmm. and I think that's how they're looking at this um so I dedicated a resource for three months, six months, I should at least cover the cost of that, and maybe more, otherwise, why would I have to do this mm hmm so that's how I would, if I were a C-suite or a manager, that's kind of what I would look at. And I think that's probably one of the, the toughest parts in here. So I think if you want quick
0: results, then you would bypass most of those more difficult tools that we teach in Six Sigma, mm-hmm. right? Because they take longer, they're a little bit more complex. You, you require data that is usually not readily available uh, and you you validate that data more than you would any other way. But if you just stuck with those, you know, top seven Deming tools or top four Deming tools, and then with Lean, you would get results much faster, but they
1: could be smaller. But then that's the difference, right? And this is where, you know, I would, I would challenge the mindset because it's not about doing a project once. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference in Lean. Uh, if you're just doing for the sake of doing a project, then, you know, don't call it Lean and don't call it Six Sigma. You're just doing a project. Whereas in reality, what, you're, what lean is trying to push is how do you make that incremental change regularly? Mm-hmm. Like day in, day out, how do you go about doing that? So it's not a, a project never ends, if, if you so call it in a lean, lean atmosphere. Um, the people working on the project are continuously going to try and work and improve that, or you're enabling them to continually work on it and improve that. So I think that's the philosophical difference. Uh, Six Sigma is more project-based for the most part, Mm-hmm. Whereas lean is more ongoing, longer term, right. or, or 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 living and breathing all the time. It's not. It's never ending. You know. But the companies seem to like
0: episodic grand slams every single project. Yes. And this whole uh, moving slow to move fast, it's just not sexy, and and mm-hmm. they don't like it so much. And and uh, do you secure a seat at the table by having a very slow grassroots cultural shift? Which maybe eventually somebody might need to use a actual statistics in their
1: uh, in one of their projects. I would hope, <laughs> but that's <laughs> but that's wishful thinking, right? I mean, that, right. that's that's where. So, I mean, if you look at it, right, organizations that have been doing it well for a while, it's because of that. Like EGE, Motorola, for the while they were at that top doing this was because they invested heavily in this and they believed in it, and this was part of how they worked not necessarily I'm doing one project and it's done. Now, what changed over the longer term? I don't know how to answer that, or I wasn't in the C-suite to, to be able to explain that, but that's why they were successful for that long period of time uh, because they that was not just a way, a means to get somewhere. That's how, how they worked, and that's what they believed in. Yeah, and there were also some technical
0: businesses there, and uh, so we have to also consider that. But... They were also very dogmatic as far as Demaic was concerned, compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the Demaic that I see coming through. And that's another one of those things that um, you, you put demaic in, pra- in place because you don't want to slip back and just do the um, shoot from the hip sort of approach of yep. trial and error. Um, so, but that that dogma, that framework, purposefully slows you down so that you don't go, you know, too fast, too fast. in the wrong direction. Yep. But then. Well, now it's too bureaucratic. So, which is it? What's the balance? Mm-hmm.
1: That was a question. Uh, I, I think <laughs> th- you know, I know. I know. it's a question, but I was just acknowledging it. But um, in general, I think that is how much of an appetite do you and your company have. Right. I, I really think it comes down to it. Now, it, it it also you know it also begs the question: Does every project need to go through that, or are there ones that are? again low hanging fruit that you don't need to force it through a system, you just go do it <laughs> you know yeah you, you well, have there, those there, ones too. there are are plenty of those and
0: and uh, we've said this before the uh, but usually when a leader thinks it's a just go do it, it's usually not as simple as the leader actually thinks it is totally. um so I'm going to back up though and say in and Because I think it's actually very much a misconception that it's the framework that's bureaucratic. Yes, there are things that are dogmatic, but the dogma of of the phase gate system, stage gate system, or the toll gate system, that has never been the thing that I've seen hold projects back. Holding projects back has always been the fact that only about 5% of the team, or the team is only available like 5% of their time to actually Mm -hmm. work on the project. It's a lack of dedication, Nothing Mm -hmm. else in my mind.
1: I would say that uh, part of it could be also uh, at some point there needs to be a decision that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. And whoever the decision makers are, they're not around or they're not willing to make the decision. That's that's another big reason why I see projects probably take longer than they need to. Yeah. And it's um, so when I say lack of dedication, I mean, I I guess I meant you're talking about project because you're talking about people rolling their I mean. My point is, even if I have people rolling up their sleeves and willing to dedicate, like in a Kaizen event-ish style, okay, let's drop everything and let's do this, at some point, they're probably not empowered enough to make the decision. They, they're they still the, go figure mm-hmm. out the solution and let me know what it is, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you how we can go. You know, I'll tell you yay or nay. Yeah, and, and that's, and that that's yay still or nay, a limitation in my opinion, but yeah. That yay or nay never happens, or takes a long time.
0: Yeah, but I was also considering the fact that you know, a, a a program could have ten projects, but mm-hmm. if those ten projects keep tapping the same five people, mm-hmm. um, you are only going to get one or two projects done. Plus, yep. these people have their own regular day jobs. Yep. And because a Six Sigma Black Belt is a full time resource, most of the team members look at that full time resource and say, "Hey, it's, this is your project. Hey, th- this is your job. Why don't why, right. are, why are you
1: making me do this?" Exactly. Yep. Been there, heard of that.
0: To E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Are you applying for professional certification in your field? You'll be happy to learn that all this time you've been streaming Jacob and me into your ears. You've also been earning continuing education units, or CEUs, which can be applied toward most professional certifications. You can do your research, all the math, and figure out which episodes are applicable for which discipline. Or you can save yourself the time and hassle and just order a CEU report from us. All you need to do is provide us with which episodes you've listened to, and we'll provide you with a portfolio, including details about each episode and a certificate of recognition with a CEU breakdown by competency, including leadership, tactics and tools, strategy deployment, and principles and philosophies. So, if you have certification on the mind, start here and save some time. Just go to e6s-methods.com/ceu to order yours. So, d- deliver
1: results quickly.
0: How do we do that? To uh, secure a seat at the top,
1: it's when right you cut corners. Unless you found a sick easier way to get through that,
0: I think that's. Um yeah, so there's there's two ways to get there. One is to cut corners, and then when you cut corners, you start showing benefits that aren't real and maybe maybe not sustained. Mm-hmm. Or people look at it and say, well, how did you come up with that? And so like, oh, we did this, this, and this. It's like, well, how is that different than what you would have done had you not gone through the training? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then somebody said, well, we, see, we put it through this DMAIC framework.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> so you know what what you brought is a very good point right like especially the first one like okay what did you do and why did you do it mm-hmm. and what impact did it bring in many cases it's all soft benefits and nobody is ever challenging it or looking into okay you're saying in this is a soft benefit when does it ever convert itself to a hard benefit right and unfortunately we've been through this a lot most of the hard benefits that if you ever need to get to a project is through headcount reduction. Unfortunately, that's how most people think.
0: Well, that is how accountants think, and that's kind of how variable accounting works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, it's, it's the truth that headcount reductions are what give you the fastest, most immediate financial benefit. Mm-hmm. However, for most organizations, that's a more painful First of all, it's painful for your program because people say, Screw this, I'm not doing that program anymore. I'm not helping you. Um, you screwed me over for the last time or you screwed my friend over. Let's just get out of here. Most of the time when we free up a resource, it's there's plenty of other work that's just not getting done mm-hmm. in a in a company. So but the problem is if you're expecting a bottom line hard savings, you're not gonna want to redistribute
1: these resources, mm-hmm. reallocate. Yep. So that's, that's, I mean, that's the cost avoidance part, right? I mean, yeah, if, if I didn't free up this resource, I would have had to hire another person to do it. So if, if that's something that you can prove, absolutely. That's a good thing. But in many cases it's not.
0: Yeah, no, I was thinking more about uh, work that's actually exists already, but is not getting done. Um, uh, But, but you're right. You're right. Um, There's always the, the phantom expansion of work that, uh, Hey, if we didn't need to, if we didn't do this project we would have hired another person yep <laughs> if somebody looked at the budget and said no you wouldn't have cuz it's not in the budget exactly <laughs> you, would have, you would have had to figure out some work that you should not do and mm-hmm. honestly that's part of it they they have to figure out some work that they stop doing that's that's part They're of that seat yep. at the table possibly <laughs> strategy we can't just forever expand on uh, low margin products mm-hmm. anyway so yeah, it, it's, it's tough. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I would leave it
1: at that. Think like a CEO. So what does a CEO think like? What do you think? Um, make more money? No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, how do I reinvest or how do I pay back the shareholders if, if it's a publicly traded company or how do I make more money for the organization? I mean, that's really what the CEO is thinking. And uh, in doing that, again, some CEOs might be thinking, how do I bring value? What do I do? Otherwise, how is, you know, what is my return on investment? Yeah, the only thing the CEO thinks about that's their job for a publicly
0: traded company is to make sure that the street sees them favorably, sees Mm -hmm. the company as favorably, meaning growing in revenue and growing in profit at the same time, which means revenue, which it it basically means not throwing good money after a little bit better money means growing the revenue with pretty much the existing resources that you have, or or at least growing faster than you need to add cost. Yep. Um, So it means taking cost out. So top line and bottom line, or at least the perception that you're doing top line and bottom line. And that's why CEOs do all kinds of very large, (laughs) very large promises uh, because a promise is good enough to change your stock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, 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 you know, so we're going to do this next year. It's like, oh, everybody buy. And then all of a sudden, uh, your stock looks great. It doesn't matter if you do it. You bought yourself another three years um, for good investments. Um, but uh, but you really, at the end of that, should be delivering. So thinking like a CEO, how is this going to look from the street? But you got to deliver. And in this thing, it says, you know, most projects are 250000 to 500000 it can be difficult for senior executives to see how six sigma can solve problems that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars and an improvement leader's job is to help them see the forest not just the trees
1: yeah i don't know i just feel that's a whole bunch of words
0: well, it is a words but it here's what it assumes it assumes that i guess ceos can't do math <laughs> you know how many how many projects how many projects do we need to have that are you know a, a half million dollars worth of hard savings, let's just say hard savings, even Mm -hmm. though they're not, um, in order to really achieve on the mega millions of savings that they want to have. This is saying that you need somebody with a little bit of uh, know-how in Lean and Six Sigma to help translate what Lean and Six Sigma can do for the company Mm. and to speak directly to the C-suite to translate that information.
1: That I can see. But then, but then making promises that, you know, you can, again, this is where things fail, right? I mean, if my only goal is to save the company money or that's just the wrong way on how you're going to address any of the challenges that you have. Say more. I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's always why do I need to save the money? I think it's explaining the why that's the most critical part. It's either to reduce the defects. Or it's either to increase customer satisfaction, or it is something. Um, if I if I have my goals more lined towards that, in most cases, that should translate to some sort of dollar somewhere, because of the amount of hidden unknown work that we all do that is causing all the pain. Um, mm-hmm. If the CEO or anybody is just looking at the hard dollar saved at the end of the day, and maybe it's 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 the perception, it's a communication going backwards and. What have we done differently, and how is it making our lives better and easier? Uh, that somehow never – either it's not cared at that level or it's never communicated in that format back to that level. So who here's part of the issue in the fact that a, a program like this will
0: always have to – Defend um, itself. Defend <laughs> itself, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. It's because if everybody's doing the right thing, if everybody's aligned with the strategy, including the Six Sigma program, and – you fix all these things. you got a great customer experience. You, you're getting all these accolades. Your brand recognition is going up. Your revenue is ticking up uh, organically the way it should. Nobody says, thank goodness we had Six Sigma here to help us do this. Mm-hmm. Right? Why?
1: Why? So well, let me ask you that question. Why?
0: Mostly because everybody wants to claim a little bit of credit for themselves, and they do. They should. If we were actually all aligned, we should all take credit, and we shouldn't care, but... At some point, when you have a pure overhead program, you look at this and say, well, nobody can say Six Sigma helped with that. Mm-hmm. And if you can't directly tie, and that's what all this entire industry is built on, is directly tying your the uh, P&L outcome or stock price shareholder value back to the projects that you did for that year, um, that's when you start running into these bad behaviors of mm-hmm. report, over-reporting savings because you know we would have spent that but we didn't mm-hmm. now and soft savings that never go anywhere and hard savings that mm, sometimes cut a little too deep because we really wanted a hard savings
1: yeah <laughs> that was the response yeah yeah i mean i mean you know a little bit i the reason why i say that is i don't totally agree with that but yes that's what hap- ends up happening which part don't you agree with that it is always quantified for revenue, or as savings. I mean, maybe I'm just contradicting myself, so I'll just keep quiet. But you do you do
0: agree that lean six sigma program is constantly has to um, prove its worth?
1: Yeah, I mean, the reason what I was saying was, you know, in, a, in in an ideal environment when everybody's aligned and everybody's doing things the right way, I would I would almost question do we even need a six sigma program then? Because I in in that format everybody's either learned the tools or is capable enough to do it um, to handle things their way. So I don't need a separate program to make sure everybody's in line or everybody's doing what it is. At that point, I am equally part of the team that is driving what is necessary to be done. You know, maybe maybe I'm part of the team that is focused on getting the improvements done. So I'm aligned with a particular team as a, as a resource in that team, not a separate independent business unit that is being challenged to make sure prove your worth.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't see how it would differentiate. I mean, there can you can still have a, a PMO sort of organization, mm-hmm. but everybody is still working along with the strategy. But the PMO is working on the the projects that tend to bridge the different parts of the Speaks. business units. Mm-hmm. I, I think in a lot of ways it does make sense to have some independent practitioners. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you become mature, and though, and if you had a if you had a good rotational program, you become mature. Then yes, you don't need necessarily to rely on those practitioners for their speciality mm-hmm. in the tools or how to execute. But you would rely on them more for the breadth of what they can see in the business um, or on a project that you just don't have the bandwidth to uh, take on yourself. Sure, sure, sure.
1: No, I would agree with that. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I, I agree. And it's a very different it's a very different conversation depending on where you are in the maturity curve for a Lean Six Sigma program. And I, I ran a couple models I was as I'm trying to put together my um my book and the the knowledge within a Lean Six Sigma program, as far as what I have put as a measure of mastery, barely reaches forty percent in the first fifteen years. And that I know that's like Sounds really weird, but um, sounds really low. But basically, most companies quit long before they have a maturity for
1: operating in a more of a lean Six Sigma manner. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I can easily believe that. This scratch the surface. But after that, they're like, okay, this is either taking too long or this is, not, this is not what we expected out of this or we don't have the right team for this. or It's just not in our culture to support this. Mm-hmm. Or yeah,
0: because-
1: this crap's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that too. or why would we rely on a junior project manager to take on such a huge undertaking
1: i don't think that's ever the case i think it's the junior project manager is not good enough <laughs> i don't think it's uh, the person coaching that person or uh, the the individual himself he or she is not probably the the best one to ha- to do this i've never heard that question asked Why do I but, have a junior person doing this big thing I, well, that's what I but
0: I think I think is probably a, a rhetorical question. That's underneath mm-hmm. so we have we have this lean six sigma department full of experts that other more senior people would have to rely on for their expertise and trust that their expertise is better than they that maybe themselves would be able to do. Yep. No, that's true. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, so I guess the the point is there, don't fill your Lean Six Sigma program with just junior people um, who are like five years out of school and uh, don't have enough relationships. You should have some some hierarchy in there too, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, that makes sense. Or maybe you just have a rotating specials project department. I don't know. Yeah. So has got to be some way to put highly capable people to work on projects um, if you need them to, if you need to remove them from the regular day jobs, highly capable people to work on extremely important projects so that the company can continue to move forward. So I know we've gone off the, off the rails as far as securing a seat at the top for six Sigma. So what do you think? Let's bring it
1: back to there. What do you think about securing a seat at the top for six Sigma? Uh, You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary as long as everybody in the organization clearly understands what the goals are of the of the business. Um, I definitely feel that it's critical to think about how is this program aligned within the organization and how can we start sharing results and being transparent in what's going on. You know, at the end of the day, you have to think from a cost benefit perspective, right? What am I investing in this and how am I going to get it back? Mm mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if if that means thinking like a CEO, then absolutely that. Uh, but again, that's all how to manage your program. Uh, to the topic of do I need a seat at the C-suite table, maybe if that's what it takes to get the commitment to sticking to something and making sure that we drive it to completion, maybe yes. Otherwise, I don't know if it's critical. Hmm. So I guess I'll, I'll take a – clearly
0: it's not critical because most companies are doing it without a seat at the top. Mm-hmm. Right, um, at the same time, I think most companies are not necessarily certainly not getting the full benefit that they would. yeah there's huge problems in, in managing the project portfolio. Most companies have way too many projects going on, mm-hmm. and they're just not concentrating on the right ones. They're not aligned with strategic goals. they're just cleaning up uh, old 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 problems so but uh, if you are a CEO. And you are telling the street, we are going to transform our business this next five years by creating this new Lean Six Sigma program. If you are doing that, then I think your next step should be to create a seat at your C-suite table in order to drive that as hard as you can for the next five years. If you are not, if you are just saying, hey, we'd like to learn some Lean Six Sigma to improve our quality and customer service and and, and go tackle projects here and there whenever they come up and it will will allow them to be a self-governing body if you if you're not using that to make a promise to the street then sure just uh let it uh, let it manage itself and hopefully no layoffs come <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wow I like the end over that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I always like to end on a high note <laughs> excellent.
1: <laughs> Jake, have you got anything else left to add? No, no, that's it. I think we've talked a lot about this. <laughs> all right.
0: Thank you very much, Jacob.
1: All right, and Have a good one.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to
0: episode 189 of the Success Methods podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap, click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a you note know in the comments section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at dot methodscom or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, and share us with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? Join our LinkedIn group and tell us why. Don't forget, you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down.